looking for truth. Um, yeah, and I've got a clicker. Gary gave me a clicker. So sweet. Oh, no, no, too, too fast. Did I do that? My fault. Um, I don't see that Jonathan has a tip jar yet by his podium, but, but, but he and Sean, I think, deserve it. And uh, if it's there some, yeah, there we go. If it's there someday, we may, may do it. Okay, looking for truth. What time is it? Oh, we're in great time. It's only 10.33. Oh, this is awesome. Where do we find truth? The Bible. But there's truth within truth. Yeah, when you read the Bible contextually in its context, there's truth that maybe you were never taught or maybe we just didn't pay attention to that gives truth, the Bible, relevancy to where we're interpreting it correctly. That's important. For the longest time, I'd spout off verses to people. It's like, that's not what it meant. And then I have to come back, you know, five years later and say, hey, remember, you know, anyway, you go, you go back and you say, I learned this differently. Can I share this differently with you? I mean, we feel like we're always learning. Otherwise, we're, we're not breathing. <laughs> so anyway, looking for truth, looking for truth. You know, I like to start with a funny before we get into the meat. So some of you can laugh who maybe had a tough morning. And if you don't laugh, maybe a courtesy laugh. Maybe a belly laugh, you know, so the person next to you can go, oh, wow, that person's really amused. Uh, but anyway, I'll take whatever I can get. Um, how about this? Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. So, uh, so from the United Methodist Church. So that, that, that's kind of interesting. From the United Methodist Church. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. Are we going to see United Methodists in heaven if you're born again and they're born again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will we see Episcopalians who are trusting Christ alone for their salvation in heaven? Yeah. Will we see Catholic, those who worship at the Catholic Church, if they're trusting in... Heck yeah, I like that. If they're trusting in Jesus to save them and not keeping the sacraments, which would be works, will we see them in heaven? Yeah. It's, it's, just, not, it's just not for us. And that's the beautiful part of that. I need a couple, well, getting ahead of myself here. Let's start with this. John 8, 31 and 32. We perused by it yesterday. Our main theme today, our main theme and there is a pointer here. Ooh-wee! It's green. Yeah. yeah, I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous at all, am I? <laughs> nope, no nerves there. That's as steady as we go. Okay. <laughs> Find truth in context and it will set you free. Find truth in context and it will set you free. So this is about scripture and context. And you're going to see verses, you're going to go, whoa, that's, that's interesting. I did not know that it had that meaning behind it. 
And hopefully it'll make us want to study scripture more intentionally, more purposefully. Maybe it will. Maybe it will, because that's what we want it to. That's what we want it to do. Jesus, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So in this chapter, Pharisees, religious leaders, and Jews were kind of, they were hearing Jesus teach. This gives us the idea that, that some of the Jews believed. But if you read on, they quickly unbelieved. <laughs> Not a good thing. And so, and so what we have here is we have, we have something that Jesus is saying, Jews are coming to him as Lord and Savior of the new way, but really the old way, the old way of the Jews. Father Abraham, okay, these, these are father. And they had all these conflicts about Jesus and the Messiah, so they didn't really believe. Some probably did, but, but many just said they believed and went off and did something else. So there's the context. But Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So, so I think some of your translations say, if you, if you abide, if you abide. And so to dwell, to follow Jesus, you're really my disciples. So there's no better way to follow Jesus than to know his word. Know his word. Okay. Now, I need, I need a couple volunteers here. And if you want to turn to Matthew 18, 15 through 20, if you're, if you're looking on, you can go ahead and do that. But I need a couple volunteers, two males to come up. Two males to come up. Come on up. Come on. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, so come on over here. You did not hear Matthew 5.44. Just kidding. Um, so when I was in college, when I was in college, we had a club called the BTR Club. It was Bachelor to the Rapture. True story, true story. We started to question why it was that we were embracing this. And uh, after a while, when our leader of the club left to get married... And so, and so, anyway, but, but we would meet in the park on Sunday nights. They called those afterglows. Remember afterglows? Yeah, sounds like a spark plug of some sort. It's just, it's just somewhat different. But we would join hands, and uh, you want to join hands there? There'd be about six of us, and all male, and we would just pray, Jesus, thank you for this park, and thank you for loving us. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, you tell us in your word for where two or three are gathered in your name, there I am among them. Thank you, Jesus. That's us. That's us. Thank you for listening. In Jesus, your precious name, amen. Give these guys a hand. <laughs> Woo! Yes. Okay, so have you heard that where two or more are gathered? Two or more are gathered? Uh, in his name, he's among them. It happens all the time. Well, look at the context of this. And it's not bad. This is, this is not a dangerous one. Dangerous one? 
No, this is not, this is very innocent, but um, let's just give you the context. Matthew 18, 15 through 20, ESV, yeah, one of the four really top dog translations, just saying. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So, so, so this is like for us. This is church discipline. This is how we handle conflict. If, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So we go to the person that wronged us. That's biblical. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. That person gets angry, and I don't want them to be angry with me. You know, no, no, no. Do what's biblical. If you're nervous, then you, if it's like oh, uh, uh, a woman and then uh, a man who gets really angry, then, then yeah, the woman take, take somebody, okay? Because that's, that's like you feel like, like it's a risk to your life, okay? Fair enough. God knows that. So anyway, between you and him and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Ooh, that could settle the dispute. Yeah, with me it does, because often I'm going to my wife, yes, dear, I'm sorry. It was my fault. I, absolutely. Absolutely. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So, if you go to a person and they don't respond, I'm not listening, please go away. Okay, you get that response. You need then to go get one or two others that, that will have the same concern or understands the same concern to go back to the person. That's biblical. Churches don't practice that, but that's biblical. Whew, okay. Again, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So at that point, two or three, you go to the person, this is really bringing us down, it's bringing the church down, it's bringing your family down. At that point, you, you, some people say excommunicate. No, 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 no. You actually tell it to the church. Now, you don't tell it to the church on Sunday morning. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye, Stan. No, 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 no. This is a private, you know, and everybody's invited, but, but a private meeting on a Sunday night, okay, if you have to tell it before the church. That's biblical. And to treat him, to treat him as a tax collector will mean... You're not going to excommunicate. You don't want the person to go away. That's the last thing you do. Have them hate the church and hate Christ all the more? No, you just, you just don't associate as you would with that person. And then you have a chance to win that person back because if the Holy Spirit resides in them, you wait for the Holy Spirit to do that work. So anyway, here's the context. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two or three, if two, or if two of you agree on earth about anything, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. There's the verse. This verse is about church discipline. The whole purpose Thanks. 
the whole purpose of church discipline here is you got two, uh, two others along with you. Okay, that's three. You're going back. This is the same passage, the same context. So then, so then God reinforces for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Because he says, again, I say to you, if two, or, two of you agree on earth about anything, they, uh, they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So, silly me, if you're alone and you pray, is the Lord with you? Yes. Where two or three are gathered, is he with you? Yes. So, so it's, not, it's not about the magical Ooh, that's a terrible word, isn't it? No, that's like, you don't say magical or Disney, right, in, in California? <laughs> we love Disneyland. We love it. It's the happiest place on earth, but happy's, happy's temporal. It's fleeting, but we still love it. Anyway, sorry for that. You learn more as we go. Um, so anyway, so, so, so here we go. So it, it, it's, it's just irrelevant in, in terms of to say that. The context is church discipline. Let's go on to the next one, shall we? Let's go on to the next one here. Oh, brother, oh, brother, oh, have you had a pastor? Have you had a pastor that kind of looks like that? And it's like, this is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' best sermon is probably hours, hours and hours long. And the people didn't get enough. The people wanted, sorry, the people wanted more. I go 25 minutes and they're like, I'm leaving in five. It's time to go. But Jesus, the ultimate teacher, no, not. So anyway, Jesus is teaching Sermon on the Mount. Best sermon ever. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So some pastors use this. They use this for something very specific. You know, we really should be given a little bit more. We're a church of, I don't know, however many we are, 70, 60, 50, 90, I don't know, um, 100, I don't know. Everybody should be given more than what this statement's saying. And then they put this weird pressure on you. Even though the New Testament says, cheerful giver in accordance to what you've been given. Um, and, so, and so we're going, okay, okay, wait a second. I'm feeling some pressure, pressure from my pastor. What? You mean we got we to gotta go serve in the babies, Liz? We got to go serve in the babies? Um, uh, you mean the pastor's implied? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father? And, and you get this guilt trip. And the pastor goes, you know what? You may think you're a Christian, but you're not giving like that. You're not doing that. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. Poppycock. It's not correct. Let's look at this passage more intently, more deeply. More deeply. Say deeply. I had to make sure we're still here. I know. I know. It's a self-esteem thing. Okay, so let's, let's look this more deep. Now, when you see, when you see who the target is, when you see who Jesus is talking about, just yell it out. Just yell it out. And um, it'll, be, it'll be lively. It'll be fun. 
Did somebody yell? False prophets. Yeah, so you got this Bible and it has all these things that make it seem like they're different passages. That's not in the original parchment. The chapters are not in the original parchment. No, <laughs> one scroll. <laughs> so, so what we have here, this is not any, this is, <laughs> this is not anything, this is not anything uh, that we just ignore it. We ignore it. This is one passage. Find the truth in context and it will set you free. Study. Get a study Bible. Get a friend who likes study Bibles. Intentionally study. God will reveal his truth to you and it'll make us free. Don't trust me, it's in John. 8, 30, 31, and 32. So beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered in thorn bushes and figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Continuation. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in, in heaven. So do you see why study is required? Paul said to Timothy, show thyself approved. That's just not for his health. He's going to take on a pastoral leadership for the apostle Paul. And so, and so beware of, so everybody together on the count of three, let's say who these uh, what, these, what this party that was guilty, let's say it all out loud. One, two, three. Hey, we did that in unison. That was nice. Okay, good. Okay, good. So, uh, okay, now this is, this, is like, this is like my favorite. The next one's my favorite because I took this a long way. Whoo! Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> Bless you. Just like the girl there who had that up in her, her den or her office. Somebody gave this to me for, for my birthday. And I had that up in my office. It was a beautiful picture. It was like stained glass blue. It was beautiful. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I love the laughter. Keep it coming. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Prosper me? Oh, I'm going to be rich. <laughs> oh, yeah. But then Ephesians 1.3 says we're given every spiritual blessing in Christ, not physical. So remember the prayer of Jabez? Expand my territory. And it's like, I'm getting these physical blessings. So stop. Stop. The New Testament, New Covenant, is very specific. Now, he does bless us physically, but, but, but that's not how he's designed us to give in order to get back. Anyway, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I've got a hope and a future, and you know what? I'm going to make some money. I'm going to make some money. Yeah! Yeah! I'm going to make some money, and you know what? I'm going to make the money, and I'm going to give half to the church. 
I get a little money and it's, no, I'm lying to myself. It's like, no, after I pay off the house, I'm going to. And all these other things come in. But anyway, I got excited about this. But check this out. Do you know Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka? Okay, tell me if you think this is kind of funny. Uh, I think it's just really a blast. So Jeremiah 29.11 is all about you. Remind me again about your time in the Babylonian exile. That's who that's written to. So let's go on and look more intently at the scripture and see what is the truth here. And then we'll talk about an application because it has application. All scripture, all scripture is good for reproof, okay, for teaching. But did you know when that was written, that scripture from Paul, did you know that only the Old Testament, that could only refer to the Old Testament canon because the New Testament wasn't together yet? Anyway, I digress. Okay, so remind me again about your time in the Babylonian exile. So here we go. Hey, you made that picture look 10 times better than what I had. So, so thank you, Jonathan. That's right. Awesome. Check this out. Give him a hand. Give him a hand. Okay. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and to the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Interesting. So the weeping prophet Jeremiah was trying to give some hope to people, Judah, who were being exiled from the southern kingdom. They had been exiled, I believe, in two different runs over a period of 10 years. And then the Babylonians kept the poorest in the land because they weren't going to have any impact. They weren't going to do anything that would be hurtful uh, against the Babylonian rule. So, so, so it's like, okay, wait. I can't just put that up in my house. I can, but there's a lot of meaning behind it. This is what the Lord says. Verse 10. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, oh my, so the promise, the promise is in 70 years. No, I want it now. I want the prosperity now. I want physical blessing now. 70 years. Okay. That, that's going to make me 100 and something. And I, I, okay, okay, wait, I'm having problems now. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a peace or hope and a future. So again, the truth will set you free. Here's the thing though. A lot of us go, I like that. I like the truth. I like what he's saying. It makes sense. I'm going to start studying. All right. We'll see you guys. See you guys again sometime. And we leave, and, and we leave church, and about three hours later, something happens at home. It's like, I have no time to study, and you know what? I can't afford to study. I've got to work another job. So, I mean, every, Satan comes as just a, 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 a master <laughs> underseer to trip us up. When we have the best intention, but it's, but it's doing, being doers of the faith that God's given us. Just read James chapter two and you go, oh, jeepers. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a challenge, but very important. So, so here we go. Here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Who would you recommend this verse to then? Who would you recommend this verse to? 
you want to give this verse accurately, who would you give it to? Somebody who just lost a family member. Somebody who just had crisis in their home. Somebody who just lost their house. You can see the exact, not exact, but close to an exact, um, yeah, a parallel. And so, and so we want to study scripture because it's going to set us free. And we wonder why we're so in bondage because we just carry around the Bible, but we don't really know a lot about it when it says it'll set us free if we abide in him. And that's Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Very powerful, very powerful. So in closing... What? It's before a half hour? I could have used my, my rant before. It would have all been okay. Okay, so how do I study scripture most effectively? Here we go. How about this? Confess any sins that may be keeping us from walking in the light. Confess any sins that may be keeping us from walking in the light. You've got unconfessed sin, maybe. I sometimes have unconfessed sin. My wife would say, probably a lot. Right, Don? Right, yeah. And she'll remind me of things that I struggle with, but nicely, because we've been married 32 years, you can nicely do that. Um, and then I'll say, you know what? I do need to go before the Lord in that and then confess that. If you don't confess your sin as a Christian and you walk continually in darkness, try this at home. I'm just kidding, don't. But think about walking around in the darkness, spiritual eyes darkened, and you can't see things. You're going to hit things. You're going to say bad words. And uh, you, you're going to do a lot of things that are just out of character. Because Jesus says, through 1 John 1, verse 9, confess your sin. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and purify you from all unrighteousness. That's written to Christians. That's written to Christians. So we're like going, well, if it's written to Christians, I bet they sin too. <laughs> Yeah, go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. <laughs> but when you sin, <laughs> Jesus, the propitiation, you know, the, our advocate, the propitiation for our sins, really powerful, really good is 1 John. So confess any sin. You might go, you know, the confession of sin will help you walk in the light and maybe, maybe help me follow through and study in tonight or tomorrow or with a friend. When I walk in darkness, I can't even see that my friend's there and available. I just can't see because there's just blinders on. And sometimes, when is the last time that you confess your sin as a Christian? I mean, think about it. When is the last time? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If, 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 if it's been like, oh, years, you might be walking in a lot of darkness. And you're going, I don't see Jesus. I don't see Jesus anywhere. That could, be, that could be the problem. Pretty powerful there. Pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you. What is it, James 2, 4, part C, you don't have because you don't ask. And when I ask, I ask with the wrong motives. So, so ask the Holy Spirit. Do you ask the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, reveal to me in my devotion this morning, truth. And help it to change my life, that I can make somebody's life better because of your outpouring into me. And Jesus, your precious name. If you sometimes don't do that, maybe we're not, and you're not, and we're not getting the most we could get. Just some things to think about. Get a good study Bible. ESV, New King James, New American Standard, New King James. 
Those are the four translations that are most, most influential as word for word, idea for idea of the original text. But I tell you, NLT, NLT right there, NLT for long passages of comprehension. New Living Translation, it is wonderful. And it'll take some of the nuances, especially in the New Testament, uh, the Greek, and put it into a language that makes sense back then and to us today. Amazing, amazing translation. Uh, how about this? Take a Bible, a free Bible class online. How about this? Learn a, ooh, oh, but wait, there's more. Learn about the different genres in the Bible. Oh my, genres in the Bible? Historical narrative, the law, poetry, wisdom literature, prophecy, uh, apocalyptic literature, the gospels, the epistles. There's different genres. Okay, don't let this get you upset. And you may have to go home and study it if you're really upset. But we must speak truth according to the genres. Right here, where it says wisdom literature. There's a proverb, train up a child in the way that he should go. And in the end, he will not, or she not, will not, re, will not um, depart from me. Wisdom literature are, are true sayings. They're wisdom sayings. They're true 99% of the time because they're wisdom literature. There's about four or five others that you go, Try, train up a child, maybe they should go. I know parents that trained up the child the way they should go. That child went to drugs. That child died. God's a liar. No, wisdom literature. Most of the time, these things happen. There's passages that involve judges. But you can't train up that child and make them come to Christ and make them follow Christ. They've got their own mind, their own soul their own accountability. If that would be the case, we'd all be following this routine. It would be like, we'd be like mechanic, uh, what is it, like uh, uh, mechanical puppetry. So, so just understand when you read wisdom literature, most of the time that, that that's going to happen. But you understand it in its context and you understand it a little bit differently. There was somebody years ago that said, Nope, his word's 100% accurate. It is 100% accurate. Inerrant, plenary. It's, it's, it's all those things, all those things. But in wisdom literature, you can't train up a child and you as parents can't guarantee what that, child, what that child's gonna do and how they're gonna end their life and what God's going to do. Very important thing, very important thing. Keeps people angry at God for years and years. And then finally, study the books of the Bible on your own or in a small group setting. And that's kind of what I want to help you do. I like to meet with a small group of men. I like to meet with just one or two men at a time and just disciple, just do training, just, just talk back and forth. Yeah, I'm a mess in this area. What are you? And then all of a sudden you're transparent. They're like, well, I'm a mess too. <laughs> We're messes together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the idea that to know and have your truth 
is the first step in understanding what it says and understanding how to understand it contextually. Help us to know that knowing that truth, knowing that truth will set you free, will set us free. Lord, I've got struggles still in the flesh and I bet my brothers and sisters do too. And we don't judge each other because you're the standard. And by golly, if we know you as Lord and Savior, Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those that have a personal relationship with you. So Lord Jesus, you do a special work in our heart today. Prick our hearts. Help us to see that you discipline those you love Otherwise, we're illegitimate children, it says in Hebrews 12, 6. Help us to know that, that life in this world, we're going to have trouble, John 16, 33. But take heart, you say, because you've overcome the world, sin, sickness, and death. Oh, help us to trust you more today. Help us to get a time to look at passages of Scripture, write the application down, and live on that. The bread of life, daily, weekly, monthly, and be totally changed. And Lord, let's start. Let's start today as we go and we meet with others who couldn't be here today and others that, that don't even go to church, being full of grace and truth and not cheap grace. The grace you lavish upon us, which is agape, love, and unmerited favor and grace. Oh, Lord, make us different when we leave. We cannot stand to stay and remain in the flesh and keep doing the things that bring us down and crush us because it crushes you. And it's not your best life for us. Little to no victory. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord, who's never walked into your big daddy hands, and said, I want to meet you and have you hold me for the first time. And I want to feel that holding like no other time. Help that person or those people to stay after church today. Come up to the front and have a discussion with myself or many others that would uh, be up here. And um, that would receive people. Oh, make it so not a one leaves. Not one leaves. Without making sure... That if they were to die today, they would go to be with you, Jesus, for an eternity. You tell us that in John 14, 14, 6. That you are the way, the truth, and the life. No, no one comes to the Father except through you, Jesus. We call that soteriological exclusivism. One way. And that's hard. That's hard for a lot of people. But that's what your word says. Help us to go today and love people well. In your precious name, amen.